everyone. My name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is the 141st episode of Make Ours Marvel, the podcast that is taking you through all of the superhero adventures of the Marvel Universe from the beginning with Fantastic Four number one in 1961 and getting really dang close to the end of another calendar year, 1966. In, in fact, this episode, we are going to finish November. Yeah. Of 1966. With, um, let's see, I think we're going to have the Avengers 36. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to dive into December, folks. Thor 137, Sergeant Fury 39, and Tales of Suspense 87. We're doing that weird thing again where there's only one first week book, and that's Thor. And everything else is a second week book. You know, it's way too late to do this, but I almost kind of wish, like... In- Instead of, or in addition to the whole, our favorite book and our least favorite of the month, like we gave a easy ranking to every issue we've ever read on this show. Oh. And then we could have like cool charts that say like, we really enjoyed 1965 way more than 66 or vice versa or whatever, you know? It's, I mean, it's impossible now because I'm not going to remember what the heck I thought of all these issues. Right, we covered 400 issues. Yeah, too late. But that would have been, for whoever is going to start a podcast out there, you know, your DC from number one on up or whatever. <laughs> make make ours DC. That's an option. Yeah. Oh, well, because I was just gonna... thinking like, did I like 1966? And it's like, I don't know. So it's all just a blur kind of like, what was January 1966? I don't know. Let's see a, a DC from the beginning podcast. We could call that fun detective adventures. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. Because that's like all they called their books back then is fun yeah. detective adventure action. We had somebody write in and say they wanted to do that, but I don't think they ever did it. I don't know. They as far did. as I know, as far if as you know. did, if you have yeah. a Golden Age DC podcast out there, do let us know, or any sort of chronological DC podcast from whenever. Right? Yeah, that'd be cool. You could start re- one from post crisis or something. Or uh, yeah, is it post crisis? What's it called? Yeah, post crisis. Yeah, you could do post crisis. It'd be yeah. It's a problematic starting point for all the OCD reasons that I have with all this stuff. But um, unless it's Superman, yeah, it's pretty much yeah. not. It's still not really a starter. But whatever. And Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman, yeah. But um, but yeah, so The Avengers 36, our last book of the month of November, The Ultroids Attack. Oh, no. Oh, no. All right, so on the cover, we have Captain America, Black Widow, Hawkeye, Goliath, and the Wasp fighting orange dudes with guns. Open mm-hmm. the comic, and remember whenever Steve Rogers had a mysterious person say, I found you at last! Well, turns out that was just Scarlet Witch with a frog in her throat. I found... <clears throat> Hello, Steve Rogers. I've reached you at last. Both of us could not remember who it was, right? If right. I correctly. And, I, and it's like, it's funny. I didn't even consider that it would be, obviously, Scarlet Witch or Quicksilver, even though they've been missing for I- issue after issue lately. And it, it should be them. But yeah, I, had, I didn't even think about it either. Um, okay, so four of the Mighty Avengers have just returned from their epic battle with the power-mad living laser. Now, as he stands alone with his thoughts, Captain America suddenly hears a footfall behind him, and it's Scarlet Witch, sporting a new look and a new headpiece, and edited by Stan the Manly, scripted by Roy the Boy Thomas, drawn by Don the Wan Heck, lettered by Sam the Sham Rosen. All right, Sam. The Ultroids attack. So, Steve, Captain America's like, oh... Scarlet Witch, you're back. Where's your brother? She's like, my brother's been captured by aliens. And he's like, oh, really? 
She's like, yeah, okay, so we were back in Eastern Europe. We made friends with the village where we had grown up. You remember I told you about it, the village that like called me a scarlet woman and called me a witch and chased me out and traumatized me forever. Yeah, we're all good now. Um, so, uh, we were leaving and we were going to come back home and suddenly we saw this alien ship land and my brother's like, Hey, it's an alien ship. And I'm like, I just want to go have, you know, some, some American food. And he's like, no, let's go check it out. So we go check it out. He's like, I'll run first because that's my superpower. And I said, I'll change reality because that's my superpower. Um, and I didn't really change reality though. He just ended up inside the alien spaceship. I tried to get in. It didn't work. The doors closed behind me. And so I decided to come contact the Avengers and, and, and here we are. And he's like, Oh, that's great. I'll get the other Avengers. Hawkeye walks in with black widow. Captain America's like, um, this is serious Avengers business. So we got to go rescue Pietro. And black widow's like, you know what? I am not an Avenger. I mean, at least not yet. So I should probably go. And Hawkeye's like, no, 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 no. You've been on team positions with us. You, you're, you're here. We haven't made you an Avenger officially, but we got to do that soon. And Captain America's like, okay, we can do that later. And Goliath walks in and says, yeah, no, we're not, because I don't like her, because she's a freaking pinko commie spy woman. And um, Jan is like, hey, Hank, um, can you tone it back a little bit? He's like, no, she's evil. We can't have her on the team. And Hawkeye's like, you know what, Goliath, you are a jerk. And I'm going to draw my bow and arrow on you. And Goliath's like, I can change sizes freely now. I'm not sick anymore. And Jan says, dude, calm down. Or you're not getting any lovins tonight. So that guy says, fine, I want lovins. Anyway, Quicksilver's in danger. We got to go rescue him. Scarlet Witch is like, finally, what's up with the Avengers fighting everybody? I thought you were on a team. And they're like, don't you remember how this works? Our third issue, we chased off one of our members because, or second issue rather. Anyways, um... They get in one of their aero cars and they fly to Eastern Europe and um, quick uh, Scarlet Witch is like, wait a second, Cap, you got to pull up. There's some sort of force field up ahead. I can feel it. And Captain America's like, I didn't know you had force field sensing powers. And she's like, some sort of ESP sense must have turned on when my powers got rejuvenated in Eastern Europe. Sure, I'm glad that worked. And Captain America says, sure, I'm glad that worked. And they land their ship outside the force field and they see the, um, the, um, the, um, big old alien spaceship and they're like, how are we going to get in there? Um, Hawkeye shoots an arrow at the, uh, at the force field, but it doesn't work. Um, and, and Scarlet Witch is like, Hey, you know what we can do? We can go into the tunnels that are underneath all of this ground here. And that will help us get into the ship. Like, all right, lead on McDuff. So they go into the tunnels and in the tunnels, they find a giant alien computer room. And uh, um, 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 Goliath is like, hey, this reminds me of one of those Japanese monster films I've seen. They're like, yeah, where is Mothra when you need her? Anyways, um, so they walk inside and they realize, hey, wait a second. There's, um, there's the mayor of your village. He's all leaned over some equipment. She's like, yeah, that's the Burgermeister. He, uh, he drove us out years ago, but now we're friends. And, um, the giant alien computer brain must be using him and gathering information from him. That's it. That's the ticket. That's what's happening. And they're like, okay, that's fine. But what about those two tubes with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch in them? And Scarlet Witch says, who's in them? And they said, you're in them. Why are you over there and you're over here? She's like, oh, that's right. 
I'm secretly an alien. By the way, I'm gonna turn orange now. My eyes are gonna get really big and I'm gonna order my Ultroids to attack you. So, you know, that's how things are gonna go now. So the Ultroids come and attack the Avengers and Goliath turns into Goliath and Captain America throws his shield. Hawkeye shoots some arrows. Wasp flies around and bastards her stinger. And, and I don't even see what Black Widow's doing because, you know, I don't know, she's, she's hiding. Um, Jan tries to manipulate some of the control panel to free Wanda and Pietro. Um, but while she's doing that, she gets zapped. More action. Black Widow's up on a, a bridge up above saying, it's a good thing they haven't seen me up here because they don't even know that I'm not, in a, they, they, they're looking for Avengers. They're not looking for me. And they're like, wait a second, there's that other Avenger up there on that bridge. So they fight her and bring her down. Um, she uh, and Captain America managed to escape from the fight. Goliath has been put into another tube, just like the mutant siblings. And we basically end on kind of a weird cliffhanger where Captain America and Black Widow are still fighting. Um, they're going to lose their powers forever along with their lives. Next issue, the final clash. Awesome. Awesome. Uh huh. He says with a question yeah. mark. No. So you enjoyed no, this? Exclamation point. Yeah, I thought it was great. Okay, good. Especially good. considering when I opened it up and looked at the first cover, I was like, oh, no, Ultroids. That doesn't sound promising. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't know what an Ultroid is, which means these guys don't have any weight in the Marvel Universe and never come back again, probably, or not often anyway. But, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought, especially lately, since, you know, uh, Roy Thomas is a little wordy and, like, the last, the living laser thing was a little kind of repetitive and redundant and all over the place. Like, this was just more straightforward. Mm -hmm. um, and what I really loved about it is it tricked me. Because the entire first half of this issue, I questioned Wanda multiple times and was going to write the story off as dumb because it's like, Wanda's doing dumb stuff. This doesn't make any sense. And then it turned out it wasn't Wanda. So then I was like, oh, that's actually kind of awesome. Okay. That's why she wasn't being like Wanda because she's not Wanda. Well, she was just making weird decisions. Like at first she's like, oh, well, I went all the way back to the Avengers Mansion. Instead of just calling them to me, I went all the way back. Um, and then later there's this ESP thing. And it's like, I'm pretty sure she's never had that power before and she'll never have it again. So that's a weird mention. And then she gets there and she's like, oh, I, I totally forgot about this back entrance I'd known since I was a kid. It's like, well, too bad you didn't remember that. Like when your brother was being captured mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then, oh no, she was captured the entire time. And this whole thing was a big trap and they got taken and they all got captured. And the last one to be captured was the Black Widow, which I also think is cool because I'm glad they brought her and she actually had something to do. She did contribute to the fighting, yeah. And I like that she was all sneaky sneak and they didn't catch her at first and she even knew not to like mess with the controls too bad because she watched Wasp get electrified. So she's like trying to figure out how to free people. Unfortunately, she took a little too long and looks like she got captured, but So is know. this, is this the first issue it. that she's played like an active role in Avengering and not just like... Yeah, she's basically been in one panel where she's throwing a rock at Hawkeye for not going on a date with her or something like that. That's what right. we got. Or like revealed at the last issue to have it, the last page I haven't brought along as a secret weapon. Oh, that's right. That did happen. See? Yeah. I forgot all about that because you barely even see that. So this was cooler, yeah. And they talk about her membership. They don't let her have membership, but at least it's on the table now. And on the one hand, Goliath has a point with all that. She does mm -hmm. have a past. They do need to have a conversation about that. On mm -hmm. the other hand, Hank does not know how to be a pleasant person. 
That's what I was thinking too. Like both guys, Hawkeye and Hank, probably don't communicate very well. Right. Uh, and they both have good points. I like mm-hmm. that Hawkeye stood up for himself and said, you may be a founder, but what the heck have you been doing? You've been on vacation this whole time while we've been keeping the name going. So maybe you should right. shut up. Yeah. I love that. But, you know, Goliath is a fan. I don't know. Goliath's super jerky jerky these days. Like, he has been forever. Well, I don't think that Hank's Avenger issue count is ever going to outweigh Hawkeye's again. No like, way. There could be yeah. a lot of history I don't know about where that have been correct, but I'm, I have the feeling that Hawkeye is a more steadfast member through the years than Hank ever will be. And mm. so, mm. you know, with all those times, the Hawkeye was the only, you know, the Hank wasn't there. Hawkeye met his number in Avengers issue count. And I don't think he's ever going to lag behind again. Um, I have been watching carefully on the Scarlet Witch mm-hmm. because um, she changes her headpiece here. Okay. So I, I didn't notice that. Yeah. I didn't know when it happened. Cause you know, when you think about the Scarlet Witch in any kind of modern sense, her, her face is like a, a red frame around her face, mm-hmm. like a tiara with like pigtails that, you know, comes down around her face. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a wimple. It was wrapped around her head so that her hair stuck out of the top like ice cream. Okay. That makes, uh, that sounds familiar. I'm trying to remember like last time we saw her was what X-Men or Thor or something like that. Uh, we Thor, saw her in a random X-Men before that, a random Thor and before that, a couple of uh, Avengers issues, but after they left, just like, you know, a page here and there. Yeah, so, these 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 twins are just all over the place right now. It's kind of weird. Yeah, but they haven't been in costume since they left. And I guess she made a new one while she was out. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's not going to help me look up Thor, is it? Because they're just tooling around in cars. Yeah, if you if you go back, I think she was last in costume in the Avengers. I'm not sure what we issue it was. We don't know what issue, yeah. It was like this two million issues ago. It was 30. It was around 30. 30 to 32, 30, somewhere around there that they left. Uh, While you're looking that up, I'll also mention that they have officially reconciled with Wanda's trauma in the past. Or at least that's what the alien Wanda says. She might be lying. Um, but I feel like being ostracized oh. and cast out from your home should be something that takes a little bit more than, oh, yeah, we're good now to work through. Well, you're right. A, it could be a lie. B, uh, uh, it may have taken time because they've been gone a long time, but That's true, they unfortunately it, it happened off camera and it seems like an important thing that maybe could have been a cool story. Yeah. But instead it's just like, oh, you're an Avenger now? You're popular? Well, all's forgiven. Sorry we tarred and feathered you and almost killed you and stuff. Right. Yeah, I think Avengers 30 was the last time we see her in costume and it's a splash page with, with, with Quicksilver walking around with a weird gizmo on his head for no reason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're and they right. leave it's at like, the beginning of an issue. Like it might be that issue or one after that, but they leave like at the beginning of a story. It's that issue, yeah. After yeah. that, they're just in civilian clothes all the time. Okay, so you see the the head wrap around there. Yeah, yeah. It's like on her neck and everything. Mm-hmm. Now it's just like more of a more of a hairband, right? Which you know is is the is the more noted look. So I'm glad we're finally there. Mm-hmm. Did you see the ad for the Captain America board game? My buddy's older brother had that game. Oh my gosh, really? Have you played it? I have never played it. It was just like in their dusty garage. I remember seeing it, but uh, it didn't look like that cover, though. I think they changed the cover for the actual game. There might be different editions of it. Could be, yeah. Um, I, I looked it up. It's it's a pretty simple spin and move kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, like there are bonus Captain spaces. Candyland. That 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's Candyland with a little bit of a shoots and ladders element to it because I think there's some things that can send you back, but it's but, not know, that elaborate of a game. How many board games are going to have Bucky in it? Come on. And Bucky, I think, and Red Skull are the only actual Captain America characters in the game. Yeah, There are lots of villains that are not Captain America villains, and there are lots of supporting heroes um, like Spider-Man. But as far as Captain America characters and Captain America villains, there aren't that many. So sorry, Dr. Spidey. All the Spideys includes a Captain America board game from 1966. So oh, shoot. You are right. Just from some stupid little <laughs> trading card. Not even drawn well, it looks like. But <laughs> I have to text him and see if he has this one. Yep. Um, so we could just, we could just post a picture of this ad and then hashtag it all the Spideys. He'll come across at some point. Yeah. I will say that, and maybe it's the second part. I don't know. Cause you're right. The first part wasn't bad, but there are two Avengers stories from this era that I, I remember starting and always, I feel like, okay, it's this one. Uh, it's the old Troy story here. And it's one we did, um, the one where they go to Peru and have to stop the cobalt and the keeper of the flame and all that. That was pretty boring, yeah. Yeah, that's another story where I'm just like, ah. Well, and I'm not going to, I don't know. I Maybe after the whole psych out, this is going to be less interesting part two. Because I don't think the Ultroids themselves were all that exciting. No, just the storytelling in this issue. I just like that the Avengers got trapped. That was You had the feeling that they got trapped and were overwhelmed. and uh, Yeah, so that was fun. Now next issue is going to be maybe some really boring escape hijinks. Who knows? We'll see. Shall we lick the troll? You ever notice that Black Widow has B, B, and W on her outfit? I never noticed that until this issue. Well, it makes sense since, you know, she speaks Russian. She's got a B on both earrings and then a W that clasps her cape together. Which, by the way, a spy with cape. That's cool. I mean, her, if it weren't for the fact that she gets a, a, a much cool, chic look later, this is a pretty rockin' 60s spy look. Do I you mean, think they're trying to make her look like Black Canary, kind of? Or was that not a thing that mattered? I mean, maybe, but I would not expect that to be a thing. Because it's the same colors and also fishnet. And the same color name? Yeah, Black and Widow, the same Black color Canary. name. Whoa, I didn't even think of that part. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not really the same character at all otherwise, right? No, they're not. Black Canary's not a spy, right? Okay. She's a refugee from Earth 2. Okay. Not at this point, probably, right? Yeah, probably. I don't know. Yeah, that's where she starts. Is uh, she's an Earth Earth Two character who comes over to the Justice League. I never think to look up like when we first come across these new characters. Like, look up on Wikipedia if there's any sort of like behind the scenes history on why they came up with Black Widow or whatever. But usually there's not, so that's why I don't care. I guess sometimes there is. Anyway, speaking of new characters, we've got Ulick or Ulick. If I say Ulick, then John's going to make more jokes. Maybe I'll say Ulick. Ooh, lick the troll. Lick. The Mighty Thor, number 137, the Thunder God and the Troll. At last. At last, because we've all been waiting for this. The immortal Avenger battles a foe as powerful as Thor himself, introducing Ulick, um, the Thunder God and the Troll, this is called. In all the immeasurable universe, surely there are none save Stanley and Jack Kirby, who couldst, couldst create such wonderment. And ne'er again shall... Boy, that got really tiny. Tell... Shall we see the like of Vince Coletta, Anchor, and Sam Rosen, Letterer? Okay, so remember how, like, or how we forget, actually, that Jane Foster existed because now we have Sif. So Thor is sitting on a tree watching Sif work out, marveling at how amazing and beautiful she is, and 
how that's the love of his life forever. No mistake this time. Uh, she throws like spears at this like stick target and manages to split them in half. So the spears like stick in the stick, stick in the stick. She's like, look how amazing I am. See, way better than when I was a baby, right? I'm proper even better than you because you're all power and not like finesse like me. And he's like, oh, I'm finesse too. And he thooms his uh, hammer against the ground and it makes her spears like fly out of the stick from the vibration of the power. And then he throws his hammer and it knocks all three sticks with like spears, I mean, with one throw. And he's like, see, I'm finesse. And she's like, yeah, that was pretty good. Wait, by the way, though, isn't that hammer enchanted? He's like, yeah. Well, see, I bet you if you fought me without an enchanted hammer, that'd be totally different. Want to fight sword for sword? He's like, uh, maybe some other time. And anyway, just as they're like debating whether or not he's actually as good as she is or not, um, trolls attack. Because if we recall last issue, Asgard was fighting trolls. So I guess they still are. It seemed like they had wrapped that up, but no, they didn't. So trolls attack, and they want Thor's hammer. Um, guess what? 20 trolls ain't enough for one Thor because he just like basically destroys them. But while he's doing that, they do kidnap Sif. So sigh there. Um, and they... They do this whole like uh, two towers thing where they take the two hobbits down the path and the Thor has to go after them. Um, and they so drop they the little in, leaves. Yeah, they they lead him into the basically the den of the troll, and the troll is named Ulick, the mightiest of all rock trolls. He's a big, giant, hairy, yellow Hulk-looking dude, and he's got like I forget what they call them, pummelers or something. I don't know. He's got like basically brass knuckles, but they're made of steel and they look bigger and stuff. Anyway, we cut to like the leader of the troll and he's knocking out Sif with the gas gun thing. And then he uh, throws her down this tube and he has this idea like what we can do, send Sif to Earth. Thor will have to also go to Earth. And when he's on Earth, I happen to know somehow that he has to waffle back and forth between Thor and some mortal named Don Blake. So he'll be weaker then, and we can steal his hammer that way. Because on Asgard, he's just too powerful. He never isn't Thor. So let's do that. Anyway, we cut back to Ulick and Thor fighting. It's a big, awesome, massive punching fight. And guess what? The cover ain't no hype. Ulick is incredibly powerful. Thor is having a hell of a time. No matter how hard he hits him, uh, Ulick just hell keeps... Hell of a time. Hella. Yeah, hella. Uh, Ulick keeps coming back and not only that Ulick because of these weird things he's got on his hands like he can destroy uh, apparently the entire planet if he really wanted to he keeps saying that so he's like breaking rock and mountain and it's crumbling all over top of him and he keeps stealing Hulk's line of the matter I get the stronger I get which seems to be happening so yeah Thor is having some major problems and just he actually gets defeated I think I'll, I'm going to call it Thor's on the ground. It looks about to do the final punch, and then he gets teleported away. Um, and Odin's like, or Thor's like, did Odin do that? That's not cool. I fight my own fights. But then the troll leader opens up like a little labyrinth window and says, no, it's me, the troll leader. And I put Ulik down on Earth, and I also put Sif down on Earth, and you better go down there or all heck is going to break loose. And Thor's like, I accept all challenges. Um, and so he goes down there. And meanwhile, while he's down there, the trolls attack Asgard. So, yeah, that's how it's to be continued. Next, the flames of battle. So, yeah, Ulik is created to be, like, a rival of Thor in power and strength. Like, Yeah. And he really is. He really is, yeah. This is the worst Thor's ever done, I think. 
Unless you count like Absorbing Man or something. I'm glad you said what you said last issue about how they're all immortals. So Sif and Thor is not as bad as it might be because. Because uh, he brings it up again. I know he really needs to stop bringing it up. But he does. He does. Because it is creep. It does. Yeah. It's like, oh, look at that ass. I used to bounce that ass as a baby on my lap. Right. Huh? Don't say that at the same time. That's weird. <laughs> don't put those two thoughts together because <laughs> I don't know what being a child is like in a race of immortals, but it stands to reason that once you're mature, you're all basically in the same club. Yeah, that could be. Or you could imagine that maybe in society it's like, I'm not going to date her. She's only 300 years old. She's there could so be immature. that too. I'm 10,000. I can't even handle talking to a 300-year-old. We just can't yeah. relate to anything. And the, the stuff that's on Netflix 700 years ago isn't the same stuff that I grew up with. <laughs> right? <laughs> We're just not in the same place, you know? On page two, Thor basically says, why did I go after that nurse for so long when this fierce goddess was right here? Totally does. They totally throw her under the bus. It's over mm. for Jane. Jane Goodbye, is Jane. done. You know, and quite frankly, I already enjoy Sif a thousand times more than I've ever enjoyed Jane on this show. So mm -hmm. I guess I'm cool with it. I do feel bad that they never, considering how important a character she seems to be for the Thor mythos, like I'm sad that they did nothing with her, but I'm happy for Sif being here. It is possible that Sif has already had the same number of lines that Jane had. <laughs> exactly. And they were more fun. I really love right. this opening. This opening is fantastic. I love how she just does not let him win the argument. And he's like, we'll, 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 we'll do this more later. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that was really cool, but isn't that just magic? I mean, I did all my stuff with skill, but whatever. And did you notice what we got on page three? Um, no. But thou must admit thy mighty hammer Mjolnir is said <gasps> to be enchanted. Wow. See, I just take that stuff for granted. Yeah. Right. First time. Good catch. I knew it was right after a major transition. And I thought it was after Journey into Mystery became Thor, which is why I hyped it going into 126. But no, it's right after Jane leaves the book and we get Sif. That's when we get Mjolnir. 137. That took forever to get to that. 50, what, 54 issues of just Mjolnir? Of, of just the hammer, the Uru hammer? I have a feeling they just were like too scared to use the word because it's like no one's going to know how to pronounce that. Yeah, definitely. But then they're like, well, probably waffling. Should we just call it like... The Thunderer, or should we actually be legit and call it Mjolnir? Right. They finally, they finally caved. And they, they eventually change it to an IR spelling, but maybe they just haven't figured that out yet. Ah. Is that more traditional, or does it matter? I guess it's English either way, right? Yeah. Um, Norse and English have pretty similar spelling. I mean, like, I don't think you have to, like, change the letters like you would going from Hebrew or Japanese or whatever. Uh, so hmm. I think it's IR in the Norse, and so IR in ours. Um, with an O with the two dots over it. They don't do that. Yeah, with the two dots. Mjolnir. Mjolnir. I never – so let's let's all fess up. When you were – I don't know if you read a lot of Thor when you were a kid, but did you ever pronounce this wrong, and what did you say? I probably did, because even though I like languages and like linguistics, I didn't get a lot of exposure to that knowledge until college. So, yeah, I probably said Majolnir, but I said Omnipotent as well. Oh, yeah. So. I totally said Majolnir for a very long time, probably longer than I should have. And and one of my first issues of Spider-Man was a spectacular Spider-Man issue where Harry's going crazy and Liz, they say she's in denial 
Mm-hmm. And I'd heard the phrase in denial, but I'd never seen the word denial. And I mm-hmm. literally in my head said she's in denial. I did not uh-huh. know what that meant. And Marvel Girl had pissy screens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Whip up a pissy screen. Uh, yeah. But now we all know it's called Meow Meow. So that's okay. Meow Meow. It's way easier to pronounce. So now I have to decide whether to name this episode more than one way to lick a <laughs> troll or the Meow Meow is finally here. <laughs> the Meow Meow. Meow Meow with exclamation point. Right. I may just do uh, all or Meow Meow. Yeah. Um, let's see. So yeah, Sif yeah. was my favorite part. Would you feel bummed at all that like she just then gets captured off camera? Kind First of and- issue, and she's already been damseled. And like you said, off camera. Ah, yeah, that bummed me out. But I do really think the beginning was a good showing for her. Mm-hmm. But it sucks because like they're showing how amazing she is. And then like these trolls just grab her. They just grab her and walk away. Whatever. Ulick walks in. He's giant. He's ugly. And he's got brass knuckles. That'll kill you. So I would have loved, and not that they need to do this all the time, cross-reference things, but he's literally saying, like, the matter I get, the stronger I get, mm-hmm. and punching Hulk, or punching Thor and stuff. I would have loved, like, because Thor's thinking about, like, how he's never met anybody this powerful before or this hard to beat. It's like, couldn't he have thrown a little Hulk line in there somewhere? I don't know. This guy reminds me of the Hulk. I fought the Hulk before. It was really hard, just like this. Yeah, that would have been a good reference. He is very yeah. Hulkish, too. He's very Hulkish. I want to see a Ulick versus Hulk fight now. Okay, so this is all the different things my brain did this week. You've got, mm-hmm. um, ooh, lick the troll. Mm-hmm. And, um, ooh, lick the troll. Right. Then there's just, you know, every day this is what you do. You lick the troll. And then there's the man, uh, the command form. You lick the troll. <laughs> so um, depending on your pronunciation, you have options. I'm trying to see if they've ever actually fought. And I'm I'm drawing, like, very little results here on... On Google. Hulk so that's really Ulick? sad. Hulk and Ulick. I see Maestro and Ulick fight, um, which is probably even Marvel more awesome. The Marvel comparison page is broken, so I don't know. Because there's a page he has that will tell you when two characters share an issue, but it doesn't oh, work. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think only the Maestro and Ulick have fought, but that still would be a good read, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. The troll plan is not a bad plan. No, it's okay. I mean, you still have to get over the whole, like, can't lift it thing. But oh yeah, maybe we'll, we'll have, have to figure, figure that, that part out. <laughs> They're trying to capture the like, hammer. Like even maybe they don't realize that's part of the enchantment, or they have a plan for that and just haven't mentioned it yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, we haven't seen Don Blake in a long time, so I'm curious how that's going to play out. Well, and they mentioned that too, and I like that they mentioned that the change to Don Blake is only a concern when he's on Earth. Right, if he's off doing Asgard things, or maybe guess that includes being off in space. Mm-hmm. He can set his hammer down and take a minute. Mm-hmm. And not have to worry about changing. I guess he's just completely done with that because he never talks about missing his patience or or his Don Blake life or anything. I guess he's done. Um, I, I like to think that when he's Thor, that life recedes a little bit to the back of his mind. Mm-hmm. And being Thor and being of the personality he is, he probably doesn't have that much reason to think about it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Why would he care? Yeah, but if somebody said, so what about your... um. What about your patience? He would probably uh-huh. like weigh his options right then, make a decision. And if his decision was whatever he was doing was more important, he would then continue to not think about his patience anymore. <laughs> I mean, he must be out of business. <laughs> we're we're going to find out next time he tries to go home. We're going to find out exactly what's going on with his with his office. Okay. Because now, now even Jane isn't running 
anything. Right, right. I like that the trolls figured out a way to get to Earth. That was a cool little addition. Yeah, they uh, and they, they have they have their own bridge or whatever. They have a grumpy old troll who's uh, who lives under the bridge. Grack, mm-hmm. bring her to Grack, mm-hmm. who stands guard at our base beneath Bifrost, the Rainbow Bridge. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's the one that Dora sings about. The grumpy old. That's troll right. Who There's lives under always the at least one troll under a bridge, right? Right. One thing about Thor when he's fighting Ulick, though, is that he is definitely a racist. He, Thor is a racist. Yeah, he just brings up how trolls are dumb and stupid because they're trolls. I mean, yes, <laughs> but also like if you live in a world where trolls exist and they're real, and like you have to have some sort of relationship with them, would mm-hmm. you bring up the fact that all trolls are dumb and stupid and ugly, or would that be discouraged? It's very Lord of the Rings, like right, like all the ugly species are evil. Mm-hmm. There's never like a species that looks like trolls, but are just trying to get by like everybody else. Right. They're always trying to take over the world. So it's okay, I guess, for Thor to say that all giants are horrible and all trolls are horrible. Because in his experience, they always are. And some but, of that, yeah. for, for better or for worse, I'm not going to weigh in on it. I'm just going to mention it. Some of that's been getting called on the carpet of, of late in recent conversation because he was using a lot of actual racial um stereotypes and and tropes and insulting thoughts as part of his descriptions of his evil races and a lot of that Mm. bleeds into dungeons and dragons because dungeons and dragons took a lot of nods from lord of the rings Mm -hmm. so some of that um racial division stuff and fantasy epic fantasy world is is coming is being second thought i guess they're thinking about it it'd be cool if someone wrote the opposite like the ugly evil trolls were the good guys and the pretty humans were jerkheads who were encroaching on their territory or something. But even in this like evil quote unquote evil, and they don't think of themselves as evil, but no. let's say they are evil, but like someone there is making swords and making their clothes mm-hmm. and, and, and growing their vegetables. So like not everybody is like rubbing their hands together as part of world domination. This is a race of people. And for whatever reason, they need to beat Asgard. And we don't know what mm-hmm. their reason is, but they feel like they need to win. Thor's in their way. So we don't have anything in particular that makes these guys evil. They're just the antagonists of the story. They're ugly, and so therefore they're automatically evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really, really, really need to come up with a slightly better plan, because any plan that doesn't factor in Odin in their overtaking of Asgard <laughs> is a bad plan. And any factor Oop. that doesn't take in all of the superheroes on Earth. <laughs> That's true. Also, Balder and Hemdel and the right. Warriors 3, Warriors 2 and a half. Speaking but, of Warriors 3. Now, I was just going to say that uh, Girader has, uh, we've actually seen him before. Which guy? Uh, the king, the king of the trolls, Girader. Or oh, Girader. He, uh, he is consistently used by Marvel as king of the trolls. Okay. Um, but way back in the day, Journey into Mystery 101. There's uh-huh. a tale of Asgard where Lo- young Loki and young Thor are playing. They find out that there's going to be an invasion. And Loki's like, hey, Thor, I know where there's a gap in Asgard's defenses. You should mm. totally go down there and defend it against the forces of evil. And Thor's like, that sounds awesome. And Thor goes down there and fights the forces of evil until the Asgardian forces come on. That gets him closer to being able to lift the hammer and the forces of that. evil, um, Girder was there. 
I can't believe we've had Tales of Asgard since 101, and we're like on 137 now. Yeah, it was earlier Good than that. It was, the, it was in the two digits that it started. Good lord! Yeah, that was back when it was actually like Tales of Thor's origin as mm-hmm. a child. Yeah. Now it's just tales. Now it's just tales. But this one actually has an origin-ish element to it. The tragedy of Hogan. Beginning, the tragedy of Hogan. On the trail to Asgard, mighty Thor and his comrades at arms, Hogan the Grim, Fandral the Dashing, followed by the voracious Volstag, find a grim sight along the trail. Famously presented at its full flavor peak by Stanley and Jack Kirby, inked by Vince Coletta, lettered by Artie Simek. And what is the grim sight, you may ask? It's a dude tied up to die, basically. He's on mm-hmm. two posts. Uh, I don't know what you call those posts, but whatever. If they were crossed, it'd be a crucifixion, like you, uh, being crucified on yeah, an X. Yeah, it's kind of like a St. Andrew's cross, except they're not crossed. Yeah, but he's but like he's, splayed out like that. Yeah, he's splayed out like that. So he's vulnerable, and he'll basically die unless they cut him down. So they do cut him down, and Hogan recognizes him as a guy named Saguta, one of his uh, friends from his homeland. And he's like, what happened? What's going on? And the guy's like, Mogul, he, I tried to leave and run away like you did. And he's like, no, man, I'm going to show everybody that if you try and leave like Hogan did, I'll make an example of you. And he made an example of me. And now I'm going to die. Ugh. And he dies. So Hogan gets really upset. He's like, ah, Mogul, I didn't run away. I tried to kill that guy like 8,000 times, but we can never find where he goes and stuff. It's really annoying. Mogul, if you're out there, show yourself. And this all of a sudden, patoof, magical puff of smoke appears and like this Power Ranger villain comes out and says, I am Mogul. And Thor jumps up and goes, I'll fight you. And Hogan's like, no, I want to fight him. He's my Hogan guy. But Thor's not listening. But then like Mogul shows his awesome weapon, which like is a sword that can turn to a snake. And Thor's like, yeah, but I'm Thor. I don't care about snakes. Let's fight. And Hogan's like, no, I want to fight. And Mogul's like, I'm not going to fight either of you. I'm going to use the last of the genie to take me back to my homeland that you can't find. And so this big giant Hulk with a top knot comes down and picks him up and jumps him away. And Hogan's like, oh, that dang genie that he always has. Now we'll not find the home place that he goes to. And then Thor's like, yes, we will. We'll all do it together. And next, to find the Mystic Mountain, which is the home place that Mogul goes to. So that's it. That's it. Oh, no, it's kind of... Hmm. What? Hmm. Um, the the difficulty I had with it is we got a lot of emotion mm-hmm. uh, and threatening for four pages without any explanation until the last page. And a lot. So, like the guy that's dying says, Mogul's "We thought you coming. were dead. We thought you were dead. I have fled just like you did." And first of all, that doesn't ring true to me that Hogan would ever flee anything. Mm-hmm. Not that I know anything about Hogan, but he doesn't seem like the fleeing type. And then the guy finds him and kills him. And then the guy also just appears if you call his name, I guess. But yet he never appeared to kill Hogan, who also escaped. And then later, like you said, they're doing this explanation. It's like, no, it's not that I escaped. It's that I could never find him because he was always escaping or something like that. But if he's always escaping, how did he take over the homeland? Because he can't rule a homeland if he's always escaping. Well, the dying guy says you just flee, fled, and I think he is saying that like accusationally, not necessarily as a as a fact. Just like mm-hmm. we thought you were dead, but now it turns out you just ran away, motherfucker. Right. right. Um, but yeah, you're right, Mogul. Uh, you do have to stay in a place in order to rule it. So I just, I guess, I didn't really get what the setup is of Mogul, but maybe they'll 
make more sense next issue or something. Um, so he holds my people still in bondage. Maybe it's magically in bondage. Maybe. He dwells in a mystic mountain and the mystic mountain is always hidden. But I guess he <laughs> comes. Maybe he just pops down to collect taxes from time to time or something. Just like he did in this issue. That could be it. That could be it. Because apparently he controls this genie, and outside of jumping around with two toes and stuff, I assume genies have powers. So maybe that's how he's teleporting around. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely part of it. The genie does, yeah. Um, and that kind of plays into, so Hogan's connection to Asgard has always seemed a little bit odd to me, since he's obviously Asiatic. And I know that Gene has talked about this in the past, but I don't really remember the details. Mm-hmm. Um but with the name Mogul and the genie, we're blending very different areas in Asia. Because yeah. Mogul is a word for Mongol rulers. That's North Asia. The right. genie are a pre-Islamic Arabian concept, which is Southwest Asia. Mm. But but the Mongol Empire, I think, did spread out like over the entire continent. So it might work that way. It's just, it's odd. It's, it struck me as odd. Well, I mean, it's the Marvel Universe. They can mash up all the mythologies in the world, I guess. But I guess. But like, is Hogan? Does that mean Hogan's not Asgardian? He's like an immigrant or something. I think so. I think he is actually. I don't think he's from Asgard. I think he's from a another land, maybe an Earth, maybe an Asgard parallel to Asia, or actually from an Asian culture on Earth. I don't know. Hmm. Should we see if Gene has some insights? Yeah, maybe he'll explain everything to us. Okay. But we didn't ask him that question, so probably not. Gene Gene, the podcasting machine, is our Asgardian advisor here at Make Ours Marvel. He has um, Anime Freaks, uh, Hammer Strikes podcast, the uh, Class of a Thousand role-playing game podcast. Um, and he says the fact that Mogul seems to be Middle Eastern in <laughs> origin doesn't make much sense. And I think he's saying that because genie is, you know, a Middle Eastern word. Since I believe right. he's supposed to be a Mongol, as in Mongol Empire. That's where the word comes from, yeah. That would seem to track since Hogan is based on Attila the Hun, who was featured in Norse Sagas. See, make ours Marvel episode 95. So I should go back Ooh. and listen to our own stuff. Yeah. Good, good um, editor's note there, Gene. Appreciate you giving me a place to go research. Actually, I could scroll up and just look at his comments. Oh, no, that's episode 95. I don't know which... Um, oh, you know what? I can cross-reference. We're going we're gonna to do this, but I'm going to finish his thoughts first. Okay. The Western mind tends to conflate the Huns and Mongols. Rather than being from the area between Russia and China, though, Mogul displays powers right out of Arabian Nights. I guess that would sort of make sense since he has enslaved Hogan's people, so he really could be from anywhere. It's still a bit odd, especially since Thor is able to recognize a gene which he, when he didn't even know much about Olympus. That's a good point, sir. Okay, so um, I'm going to use my episode list to cross-reference episode 95, where we talked about Journey into Mystery 119. Then I'm going to go back to his document of comments and find Journey into Mystery 119. While Uh, you do that, I'm looking at Wikipedia. Okay. And it says, unlike most Asgardians, he is not an Acer. Acer? Acer? Acer, yep. but stems from a land, unknown land conquered by the mogul of Mystic Mountain, of the Mystic Mountain. So we don't actually know what Where land he's from. he's from. They just talk about it. And he and he, Volstag led him when he was called Hogan the Good. And he led Fandral the Quite Plain, Thor and Loki into hell. And they all fought the hordes for 40 days a night. And after that, he became Hogan the Grim. And he's been with them ever since. Okay. 
Um, so there you go. That does make sense. I so looked, I guess he's Asgardian, but he's not that kind of Asgardian. I don't know. I still feel like he should be brought into Asgard, but. Yeah. Well, it says unlike, well, maybe they're just wording this funny. Unlike most Asgardians, he is not an Acer. Does that mean he is an Asgardian though? Just not an Acer? Or is he not even an Asgardian? I think he's Asgardian now. Okay. So like most but, Americans, he's not of Caucasian descent. He stems from a land conquered long ago. So there you go. So he's still probably immortal-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just use that sentence as an example. Obviously, there are scad dunches of Americans who are not of Caucasian descent. I was just trying to come up with mm-hmm. a similar structure. You're um, racist. We get it. I try so hard not to be. <laughs> um, Attila. So Atli was the king of the Huns, is based on Attila the Hun, hence why Hogan looks and dresses like an Asian horseman. Um, okay. Atli is part of the title of the um, the t- the lay of Atli, the song of Atli, um, mm-hmm. which has roots to the Warriors Three. Mm. Anyways, so yeah, um, interesting. We're getting backstory for Hogan. This might be the last arc before this series goes away. Depends on how long it lasts. It's either the last mm-hmm. arc or the next to last arc. Because um, after this, there are only eight Tales of Asgard left. Oh no! Are you saying oh no because you know what happens next? No, because I'm being sarcastic and it's fine. Not that I hate them, but you know they're fine to go away at this point. I think. Well, I think you're going to say oh no when you know what happens next. Okay. Do you know what happens as a backup in Thor after the Tales of Asgard? No. The origin of the Inhumans. Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) Why in Thor? I don't know why it's in Thor. That makes zero sense. Except that. Thor doesn't care about Inhumans? No. No, he does not. Uh, oh, um, no. Oh, well. I'll have to see how the issues line up. But, you know, right now, so many of the books are split books, and Thor has been a split book ever <gasps> since he started. John. What? We were supposed to do something after Avengers, and we did I know. I thought about it, and I was going to bring okay. it up after this one. So I, I, I remembered, too. Okay. Um. So I don't know if the... Uh, Inhumans thing ends right around the time that all the books split. And so mm. Thor just becomes a complete Thor book. I just don't know. But anyway, something we forgot to do one issue ago that we're going to do now. We finished the month of November. So we've got we to talk did. about favorites and unfavorites. Just moved right into December. We did. We illegally. just walked right into it. So speaking of Thor, mm-hmm. Thor 136 was our um, starter of this month, that was the one where Jane failed in every imaginable fashion, including was failed by the writers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tales to Astonish 88 um, had, let's see, Namor was Name, fighting yeah. Attila and that giant iron dude got threatened, mm-hmm. you know, threatened him at the end. Um, mm-hmm. We had a new artist on the Hulk, Gil Kane, as he fought Boomerang. Mm-hmm. Then we had Daredevil 24, where um, he ran around with Kazar, and it was kind of much to do about nothing. The X-Men 28, according to Mike, possibly the best issue of the series since number two or three. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the Whale of the Banshee and the introduction of Factor 3. Definitely three, because two is the Vanisher, and that is not a good one. Okay, okay. But three so- is the Blob. Sergeant Fury 38, this one's for Dino with Jim Morita. Mm-hmm. Tales of Suspense 
86 with Captain America, quite possibly the very greatest action issue of the year, where he finds out the secret of uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Agent 60, Mm -hmm. and Iron Man fights the Mandarin and saves Happy Hogan's life. Yeah. Fantastic Four 59, Doomsday. The Inhumans break free. It's Doctor Doom and his Inhumans finally busting out of their shell. Literally. Amazing Spider-Man 45 with the lizard uh, being trapped in a refrigerator car at the end. Happily, not the same one with Frosty the Snowman. Strange Tales 153, where um, Nick Fury saves Laura Brown and then forgets that she exists. And we meet Bronson, the Supreme Hydra, now S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And uh, Doctor Strange continues to fight Umar, tries to save Clea, but he goes in to kiss her and turns out she's a a mindless one. (coughs) And Avengers 36, where uh, the mutants are back and the uh, Ultroids attack. Boy, kind of a midland month all around, isn't it? Kind of. Yep. Like nothing's really standing out extremely one way or the other for me. Um, I have my best and worst. Go ahead. You sure? Mm-hmm. I don't want to influence you. No, I think I do too, so go ahead. Thor is my worst. Yep. Thor is my bottom pick. Yeah. And Sergeant Fury is my top. Nope. Um, it's not that Spider-Man was bad, but I'm not yeah. feeling Spider-Man as much since the mm-hmm. Ramita switchover. Like, I'm enjoying it, but it's not, like, hitting me as hard. And I mm-hmm. really liked the Sergeant Fury issue this year. And I think there are a couple of other books I would have put above Spider-Man as far as enjoyment factor goes. But for me, I'm going to put Sergeant Fury on top. Well, Thor, like the weird thing is, is Thor wasn't a bad reader or anything, but it just was so insulting. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's why it's the worst. Um, I almost want to pick Captain America, but it really is like kind of nothing, except it was just fun. But it was kind of nothing. But that's how Tales of Suspense is, oddly. But I'm going to just be the anti-John this month and pick Avengers as my favorite, because I really did enjoy the uh, fake out. And the capturing. Mm-hmm. I'm almost positive part two will be a big letdown, but I enjoyed the setup anyway. Well, so. I'm glad. Honestly, That's I, it. I, I will go on record. It always pleases me when people like stuff that I don't like. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm glad that you enjoyed it because I was not looking That's forward really to weird. it. That's really weird. It always infuriates me when people like things I don't like, but... That's probably just an insecure, jealous thing or something. <laughs> well, as long as you don't feel the need to go and attack their character nope. on Twitter. Nope. I stay out of it. That's just, a rule. Just, you know, just on, just a side note. This part's for free, kids. Um, I saw somebody online. like, I always enjoy, you know, blocking the Snyder cult. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I'm sure that calling people names really endears them to, like, <laughs> want to be nice to you. Right. And, and I know that a lot of people on the internet behave badly. And I know that a lot mm-hmm. of them are easily identifiable, as, identifiable because they have hashtags in their name. But, mm-hmm. um... There are other people behaving badly to those people as well, which is kind of how this all started. But that's a whole thing. Well, just summarily blocking people because of what they like is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. And that particular person who said that I don't follow, but other people retweet him so much. I feel like I might as well, but I don't want to (laughs) follow him. Don't you hate that? Yeah. It's like, I don't like this person. Like sometimes I not follow somebody that I used to follow, but I still see their tweets all the time because everybody else is retweeting them. It's like, ah. If I really, I really cared, I'd just that. mute them. That way I'd never be able yeah. to see them, but I haven't yeah, yeah. yet. Yeah, okay. we're so open-minded. Well, now you've okay, so taken care of administrative business. Shall I dive into Sergeant Fury? You shall. Into the Fortress of Fear, which is not a real place. I looked it up. <laughs> okay. Somewhere in the Bavarian Alps. 
High above a top-secret Nazi installation, a bright full moon has gone behind a dark cloud. And, and, well, my voice, and emerges on the start <laughs> of one of, <laughs> one of the hard-hitting Howler's most perilous missions. Herculean editing by Stan Lee, Halcyon scripting by Roy Thomas, heroic plotting and drawing by Dick Ayers, heavenly inking by John Tartaglioni, homogenized lettering by Hardy Simic. It's all made to look the same, which is true. I mean, the lettering is very homogenized. Um, okay, so we bust in on some action. Uh, Nick Fury is just busting some Nazi chops, and he's got all the howlers with him. Dugan, Jones, Ralston, um, whatever Izzy's last name is, is blanking on me, Pinkerton, and Koenig. He's just Izzy, right? I mean, Cohen. Is Izzy it Cohen? Cohen. Cohen, yeah. Cohen. It's like, it's not Klein. He's- Cohen's little boy, Izzy, or something like that. He always calls himself. Yeah. Okay, so they're here. G2 says the Nazis started building this overgrown pillbox in these mountains three years ago. uh, The fortress where they are. The smart money has it that they're building some kind of new super weapon in there. And we gotta stop them. So they're after something that's called the, um, the Thunderer. Not the Daring Mystery Comics masked hero from Timely Days. Different Thunderer. I'm sure I'm the only one who made that association. Um, and while they're fighting, um, they, they, uh, intr- they're trying to find the people in charge of the Fortress of Fear. And they go into this one office, which is manned by three female officers. And Nick Fury is like, I sure wish we had Dino Manelli here. He could sweet talk these ladies five ways from Sunday. Um, but instead he gets Koenig over. Koenig has been, has put himself into a fake Nazi uniform or maybe just a repurposed Nazi uniform. And he sweet talks the lady and they're like, Oh, we don't know who this is, but he is so handsome. There's no way he could be a spy. We're going to take him right up to the top floor, just like he wants. So they do. And then he busts up the elevator so they can't get out. Um, so in charge of the fortress of fear, is a man named, uh, I believe his first name is Fritz, or is it Frick? Something. I don't even know if we get his first name in this issue. But his uh, his last name is Klawa. He's a, it's a German last name, Colonel Klawa. And uh, he has this gloved left hand with which he really likes to smash things. When his phone cuts out, he crushes it in his hand. Whenever he gets mad at somebody, he punches a hole in his desk. Something's going on with his left hand hand almost like it's a claw hence his name is Klawa, which is german for claw um so so yeah so the, basically the howlers you know they do their thing they fight through the fortress of fear there's lots of really good action really good interaction between the characters we cut back to dino manelli because he wasn't ever actually kicked out of the book he's just going to keep showing up every issue um and the doctor that we saved to rescue, to, to work on him last issue has made it back to the States and puts Manelli under to do the surgery on his leg. It's his only hope of being fully mobile again and not dependent upon crutches for the rest of his life. Um, so yeah, more fighting. Nick Fury fights Klawa. Uh, he gets punched in the face, which really sends him for a loop. Uh, Klawa basically karate chops Fury's gun in half and Fury's like okay there's something going on here and so one point whenever he's able to actually get an uppercut in on Klawa he takes the guy's glove off and underneath 
was a steel hand. Okay, so he's punched this guy out, though, so he leaves. And to make a long story tolerable, they find Project Thunderer. It's a jet engine. It's a jet engine plane, which wasn't a thing in World War II. So the Germans have developed a jet-propelled plane. And now that Fury has found it, they're going to take it back to the States. So they fly it off the runway. Um, they fly it across the channel. And as they're um, nearing uh, the, the England, you know, they get attacked by Nazi planes from behind, which damages their landing gear. So they can't lower their landing gear. So they basically crash into the ground in England, which destroys the jet plane. So therefore, the Allies do not, you know, magically get their hands on jet engines before they're supposed to in history. Um, but the Howlers somehow manage to survive the landing and they go talk to Captain Sam Sawyer and everything's great. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, would you... um? What'd you think so of this? They had this whole like, huh? They had this whole will he, won't he get through the surgery, and then the caption at the end of the page is next issue, he returns. So it's like, okay, thanks for undercutting that drama. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah, kinda. <laughs> and I don't remember him returning that soon. I knew he returned. Um mm-hmm. but I thought he was gone for longer, and I had forgotten just how much he's still in the book while he's gone. Like, every issue talks about him. He has presence even whenever he's not there. Um, well, I hope when he returns, Eric gets paranoid. But otherwise, I don't know what the effect will be. Yeah, yeah. Not much. I could tell you whether or not Eric stays in the book, but I won't. Um, turns out Nick Fury and the Howling Commando's greatest weakness is a floor full of women. They really don't know what to do with themselves. <laughs> they can't beat them up. It's like, hey, that's actually pretty smart. They should do a bunch of like women commandos to go after the howlers. And, you know, m- most men, I think, growing up, it's really drilled into our heads. You don't hit girls. Mm-hmm. And it took a... Especially in the 40s. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Especially in the 1940s. Mm-hmm. And it took a process for me to realize that overemphasizing that is actually in itself a form of misogyny. Like, not that you should go around hitting people at all. Right. That would be a better way to... Right, but to, like, uh, if you're in a fighting situation, refusing to fight a woman who is willing to fight you is mm-hmm. not. <laughs> that is by itself, it's misogyny. It is weird, like being willing to hit somebody. But yeah, I watched this video once. This isn't necessarily right on the nose, but I watched this video once where they did a study where, or like they did a uh, thing where they had a guy screaming at a woman in public. And every single person that came by, like, interrupted it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, what's going on? You're gonna hit her. You're getting too violent. Like, pushing her and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And they'd stop it. But then they reversed it and had a woman screaming at a guy and pushing him. And everybody just laughed as they walked by. And some of that's a power dynamic. Like, mm-hmm. men tend to be physically more powerful. And certainly, sure, you know, I have been told by multiple women that men raising their voices – is a trigger in most women's psychology, whether a hard trigger or a soft trigger, it depends on the person. But like, I don't think we as men realize just how much power our presence carries and not a not Mm -hmm. good way, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But, but yeah, I don't think it's also somehow socially okay for a woman to scream at you and push you and 
Yeah. And we're just supposed to be like, ho, ho, okay, honey, you slapped me. Good job. Right. And certainly there are lines there where that gets crossed. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, we should all be good to each other. But And the thing is, is that the thing is, being in a situation where it's okay to fight each other, that's not most of real life. No. <laughs> that's action adventure stories. That's military operations. That's, you know, superhero genre. You know, being willing to fight somebody should include being willing to fight somebody of both genders if that's the story you're in. Yeah. And I would say if Nick – none of these women are armed. So if Nick and the crew just stormed in there with their rifles and made them all get on the floor and tied them up, I'd be fine with that. Because mm-hmm. they did all sign up. And they are Nazis. Yeah, they are Nazis. And they're not like – they're not – there's no suggestion that, oh, these are poor subjected females who don't want to be here. No, they're here. So let's let's and, pretend they're all men and they're all office working men. They're not trained fighters. Mm-hmm. The suggestion would be, I think, is you know you you go in, you corral them, you tie them up, but if anyone gives any gruff, then maybe you have to punch them out. So that mm-hmm. could be the exact same process here with the women. Like that could be the same order of operations. Now that said, we're ruining the story because the whole point of the scene is that it's supposed to be funny. Because Eric Koenig is so handsome, he can't possibly be a spy. Well, because they don't have Dino, and Dino normally would have charmed the (laughs) skirts all of all these women. And he's like, oh, I don't know what to do now. We don't have Dino. They even flash back to Dino's pretty face while he's thinking about it. And yeah, it was kind of funny that Eric went in there and did his little bow and stuff. I forgot to mention in my recap, the one character who gets like two pages, Hmm. Siegfried shows up. Oh, yeah, With yeah, his Patrick Trotton yeah. hat. Yeah, that was like the one uh, – they all go their separate ways to try and find this Thunderer, and that was like the one moment that mattered kind of. Yeah. Not mattered, but was interesting. As we're going to find out later issues, Klawa is now the person in charge of the Blitzkrieg squad. That guy's hilarious, man. He's like, I want you to smash them just like I smashed this phone. And then later it's, I want you to smash them just like I smashed this desk. <laughs> it's like, okay, Colonel, we understand what the word smash means. You do not have to keep smashing to indicate the definition of smash for us. Thank you. So did it, it, it didn't occur to me until I saw the metal hand and uh-huh. I realized his name. Do you realize who this is? No. This is the father of Claw. Get out of here. Totally serious. What? What's the likelihood they both have a weird hand? How the funny. same likelihood that Luke and uh, Anakin and... <laughs> well, at least in that case, Dad cut off his son's hand just to be jerky about it. Yeah, the Claw family has but a genetic the, habit of losing hands. We don't really know why this guy has no hand, but nope. I guess he doesn't. Also, his first officer is Leonard Nimoy, which is interesting. But What? 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 Page nine. <laughs> I don't know. It just looks like Leonard Nimoy to me. I don't know why. I believe you. I'm just going over there. It totally does. You're right. Especially in that second panel in the middle row. <laughs> I think it's just the haircut. It might just be the haircut and the long face. Looks like Spock. Um, Gabe calls his bugle a trumpet again. I just, now that I'm noticing that, it's bothering me every time he does it. Right. Because as totally, a jazz musician, he should know the difference. It's totally a bugle. There's a picture of it. There's no keys on it, but he keeps calling it a trumpet. So what the hell, Gabe? Which one is it? Um... I kind of like that, like, this claw guy punches Nick once, and it actually almost does take him out. Like, that, we've never really seen Nick looking sick with stars floating around his head before. Right. Well, you get punched in the face with a steel hand, and it's going to do something to mm-hmm. you, right? Mm-hmm. But then it's funny, like, oh, I got to come up with a cool strategy, and his strategy is duck, punch. That was easy. 
Um, Clawa does become a recurring bad guy now that Strucker is gone. We are going to be seeing okay. more Okay. All right. Well, then probably more smashed furniture. Probably. <laughs> and he's fighting, he, he should have done the hat trick instead of the third time where he's fighting Fury. I will smash your face the way I smash your gun. and Because he does chop the gun in half, but he doesn't, he doesn't say it like that. Uh, for like 0. 0.05 seconds, I was actually disappointed by what the Thunderer was because I wasn't really thinking about this being 1940 and that being an advanced thing. Oh, okay. I was just kind of like, oh, it's a plane. Who cares? But then it's like, oh, there's no propellers. What kind of weird space alien thing is this? And it's like, right. oh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. When did the jet get invented? I don't know. Apparently the Nazis invented it, though. Um, I'm actually going to look that up. By uh, after World War II, obviously, because mm-hmm. it was all propellers then. Let's see. It did exist pre-World War II in some mm. level because there is a category for it in Wikipedia, the history. But mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's why they had a concept for it. But um, it was just not very much of a thing. And so the Germans did use it in World War II, and it became a thing after that. So, yeah, by the 1950s, the jet engine was almost universal in combat aircraft with the exception of cargo and such. So, yeah, okay. coming out of World War II is when it became a thing, going into the 1950s. All right. All right. One more book. Should we? So we go Tales of Suspense, number 87, Crisis at the Earth's Core. And we get our lead guy on the cover this time. And oh, no, it's the Mole Man, guys. I Oh, no. I, Does that I make used, anybody else wince or just me? I used to like, I remember a time when I actually kind of liked the Mole Man. <laughs> but I see this cover now and it's like, uh, of course, it's horrible well, because this cover breaks the rules. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Maybe down the road, some awesome writer comes along and says, you know what I'm going to make cool? mole man and he can and he succeeds and we just don't remember that but right now we don't like mole man anyway crisis at the earth's core a stan lee gene colon superpowered spectacular inked by frank giacoya lettered by Artie Semek. um they are in one of stark's places with lots of doohack doohickeys and stuff and he's like overloading the system and everybody's gonna die what is Tony Stark working on? You'll find out next page. Frantic one. And basically Pepper and uh, 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 Happy are there. And he's like, you guys need to get out of here. And that's the last we see of them, this story. Um, basically, yeah, he's working on something that will allow him. It's called the Earth Borer. Borer. That's a really hard, weird thing to say. And it's going to allow him to bore the Earth to the planet's core and stuff. And it's really cool. But unfortunately, he has to get past this whole bit of this buildup first to the point where he even puts on his Iron Man suit. In case something goes wrong, it's either all going to go really right or really wrong. That's what this scene is all about, I guess. And outside, while this is happening, people are watching his factory like smoke and the lights are throbbing like something really bad and nuclear might happen to them. And they're all kind of mad. Like, why is Stark allowed to just risk this entire city doing whatever it is he's doing? Does he even have a permit? Anyway, um, as Iron Man... He does manage to make it all work, but just before he can pat himself on the back, a nearby residence like suddenly gets sucked into the earth and then another building. And the people are like, this is Iron Man's fault because of all that flashing light. And Iron Man's looking going, no, this has nothing to me. That's weird. I should probably investigate this. But before he can do that, we have this random scene where like these bad guys 
who have wanted to invade Stark Industries for some time, I guess, to steal secrets and stuff and sell them to the bad guys, the Cold War bad guys. Like, they think this is a good time to invade Stark Industries because everybody's upset and things are getting sucked into the earth. And so they do that. And so there's this scene where Iron Man, like, easily dispatches a bunch of mob guys. Um, And then there's just more sucking as Stark Industries itself gets pulled into the ground. Iron Man goes to investigate. Guess what? It's the Mole Man, one of the Moloids. Shoots a missile at Iron Man. He easily dodges it, but unfortunately it was actually designed for a different purpose. It was designed to slide the Earth anywhere near wherever the missile explodes, which is where Iron Man is, and he gets sucked into the ground. Next issue, the answer. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Don't put your last page on the cover. Um, Yeah, and also it's not artistically much of a reveal is it it's just kind of like he's there yeah he is just there and it's not a turn the page reveal right it's a it's a facing page um Mm -hmm. so and even though it's the mole man and i don't really like the mole man if i hadn't known going into this that it was the mole man it's Mm -hmm. written like an action mystery you know and sure like maybe tony did it right and yeah. sure, in my mind, I know that there's really only one guy in the Marvel Universe who has this as his move. But there's a big difference yeah. between wondering if it's the Mole Man while it's a mystery and knowing it's the Mole Man and losing the mystery, you know? And not to make all stories ruined with continuity, because that can definitely happen if you're too much of a stickler for it. But, like, I was thinking, the Avengers have fought the Mole Man. Mm-hmm. We all, and presumably the Fantastic Four share information with various governments and the Avengers also. So everybody knows who the Mole Man is. So if you're a scientist and you're deciding, I'm going to invent something that goes into the Earth's core, factor in the Mole Man. You're messing with his life, and he is going to show up. Also, maybe Tyrannus while you're thinking about it. And uh, I don't know, anybody else we've met that live underground at this point? Um, I don't really like his comparison to bathospheres in the water. Because, like, it's really hard to maneuver inside the Earth because there's all that, you know, solid mm-hmm. particulate matter in the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, like, supporting everything above you and doesn't move back into place very easily. But I like the idea. It's sci-fi and it's fun. And it gives Tony Stark a cool invention to do. And the fact that he's doing something that actually is kind of dangerous and that the people outside know that it's dangerous is interesting. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the whole idea of, like, Stan wanting to write a character that is hated. Oh, yeah. Counterculture. Yeah. Like, this is a dude who's... And they're not wrong. Like, I mean, I don't know if he's got permits or whatever. They don't go into that information on his end. But, mm-hmm. like, if he's just doing this on his own because he feels like it, that is kind of wrong. And Especially he, since he he himself is admitting that it could explode in his face. And it says it's going to flood that cell with radiation. Well, that's great. I hope your shielding and protections have all been mm-hmm. in place. And that the explosion that causes the leakage doesn't rupture any of that. Right. So he's like anti-environment, basically, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And he's all about... um, Did you notice that I've never seen them draw the helmet as if it were fabric before? Oh. Like, they always draw, like, the yellow parts especially. But, like, he's grabbing that helmet like it's a mask. And it looks all wrinkled up and... I'm flipping back. Kind of on page three. It's kind of weird. You're right. Okay, so all of his sleeves were supposed to be, like, the flexo fabric that, like, magnets into place when he puts it on. 
I just always thought that was just the yellow parts and the red was all static right. stuff. But I guess not. I don't know. Huh. What is it? Um, it is a new armor. So maybe this is a new aspect of this armor. Oh, maybe that new yeah, mask yeah, does yeah, yeah. use flexo. And once it's attached, it's also, then it becomes taut. It's also a newish artist. So maybe he has his own ideas on how it works. We haven't seen the briefcase in some time. That's true. We've not. Not since this it got issue, thrown out like, the window. <laughs> Uh-huh. At Mandarin's castle, the briefcase got thrown out the window. Is it the last time we saw it? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, after I summarized it, I realized that like nothing really happens in this issue because <laughs> there's so <laughs> many pages. There's so many pages of this mob thing that like is pointless. But it is like, a fresh start to a new Iron Man story, which we yeah. have not had in a long time. Yeah, that's true. I don't know bit- when it was last. There's a bit in the beginning where Happy acknowledges that he knows that he's Iron Man. Mm-hmm. So that's still a thing. I guess it's just going to be a thing forever. Well, that's a subplot now. So that's, you know, but like mm-hmm. the action from last episode was resolved and this action is all new. Yep. Yep. These two have like not been featuring much in this book, though. I would love to see that change. Yeah, me too. Because I know that it's not an incredibly long time before they get left behind and Iron Man gets taken to new directions. I think once we go to Iron Man being a book, I don't think Pepper and Happy are around for very long. Oh, well. Wow. The love triangle thing is boring anyway, but if they gave them something else to do, it might be cool. I'm actually, Especially now that Happy knows the truth. That might be more interesting. Yeah. That that should play into whatever happens with them as they exit the book. Like, mm-hmm. I want Happy knowing to be part of that reasoning. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just looking up on um, the internet. Where yeah. Happy Hogan's chronology list goes, and um, and uh, yeah, he's eighty seven, eighty nine, ninety one, and then Iron Man three, Iron Man four, and he is he's basically spotty after this arc. Hmm. Eighty seven, two issues for now, eighty nine, two issues later, ninety one, and then not again, and because what suspense goes up to ninety nine, and then reboots into Iron Man, and he's not in any of the nineties until Iron Man three. So whenever the MCU is going on and they're writing, oh, we got to get Pepper in there. Why? Well, she was in the beginning. Okay. Oh, we got to get Jane Foster in there. Why? Oh, because she was in the beginning. Like, that's really basically the reasoning to add these characters that haven't done anything. (laughs) I think so, honestly. (laughs) Because Pepper's like the quintessential Iron Man female, but not really. But not really. Again, just like Jane. Not really. Like, what have they done? Nothing. And I'm just looking after a really spotty attendance during the first half hundred issues of Iron Man, she becomes a regular again in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. That's issue counts, not years. And then basically disappears again. So she's really not a major character. Iron Man Volume 3, she's in a bit. But I think that's the I think that's the Avengers Return or Avengers Reborn era. So it's probably weird that she's there. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to stop trying to draw connections from series I haven't read yet. You say what you want about Agent 13 and Cap's future misogyny, but at least they like each other. They right do. Out of the gate. That's different than like this whole Tony Pepper or Matt and Karen thing where they can never like each other. Just like, uh, yes, you can. Yes, okay. you can. Speaking of an issue of Cap with no Agent 13 in it, because, man, they are like teasing her on us and then just not giving it up. Well, this isn't right? even really a Kirby issue, so I don't know if he was just like catching up. Yeah, I think it was just a filler. Um, but anyway, not to downplay it or anything. If you all love it, let's let's uh, see if we can make that happen. But it was my peerless. You ready to go to it was it? my peerless plan to love it. 
Okay. Wanted. Captain America. The time is 9 a.m. For millions in the teeming city above, the rush hour signals the start of a hectic new workday. But for a handful of strangely garbed men beneath the crowded streets, it heralds the beginning of a plot against Captain America. Editing Stanley's script, Roy Thomas, drawn by Jack Sparling, inked by Joe Sinnott, lettered by Sam Rosen, subway swept by Honest Irv. And now that you've seen our singular setting, met our vituperous villain and read our capricious capricious credits, it's time to say lights, camera, action, or how showbiz can a bullpen get. So, yeah, there's this guy. He's got an Eddie, Eddie Munster haircut and Captain America's outfit on. And he's got a little blaster thing on his wrist. And he calls himself the peerless planner. And he's surrounded by minions that all love him to death, even though he calls them cowards and idiots and stuff like that because he must pay well. And his whole thing is he's going to – and he does. He basically robs a bank or something with his pew-pew gun, dressed as Cap, and all these guys help. And he says out loud, I'm tired of being a hero. I want my back pay for all those years of – being selfless and everybody's just like oh my god captain america's a bad guy now but his plan is he wants to draw cap out and have cap find him underground and underground he's going to have all the stuff set up to trap him capture him because the only reason cap has never been defeated is because he hides in avengers mansion i guess is his reasoning so if he can lure him out he's powerless or some such and then he wants to steal his shield because his shield he thinks has all these gadgets from Tony Stark on it and he can like rule the world. Between that and his pea shooter on his wrist, he has it made. He needs just he he needs some shield gadgets, man. Shield gadgets. He needs those shield gadgets. So we get a lot of like world reaction to this story, which is kind of cool. Like all these people like waffling back and forth as to whether that could really be Captain America doing that. Um, meanwhile, we get actual Steve Rogers and Jarvis telling him, Have you watched the news? He watches the news. Uh, and then he goes as Steve Rogers in a suit to police headquarters and says, listen, I'm an I'm representing Captain America. If you would be so kind as to not demand him turning himself in for the next two hours, I promise you that he will clear all this up. And they're all like, who are you? I've never heard of you. And he's like, no, trust me. I'm just, you know, I'm a rep for Cap. And they go, well, we probably shouldn't, but I can't believe that's really Cap anyway. So all right, we'll give you two hours. So Steve Rogers suits up as Captain America. And after studying, actually, Steve Rogers studies the map at police headquarters. He figures out where this guy probably is hiding. Then he suits up his cap. He goes down there, immediately takes like the first four of the seven people out with one shield throw. Um, but then he starts fighting the peerless planner who gets the upper hand for like five whole seconds because he sneak attacks him. And then Cap just basically wails on him. The dude runs away. Cap throws his shield at the guy's like generator, which creates a bunch of smoke. So the peerless planner can't shoot his pea shooter at him. Then Cap knocks him out, picks him up over his shoulder and says, dude, there were no gadgets in these shield. I took those out a long time ago. So this whole plan of yours was dumb. But by the way, even if there were gadgets, it's not about the weapon. It's about the man who uses them. The end. Next issue the story that was two decades incoming, if Bucky lives. Nuff said. And by the way, I can't also, believe we got to the Winter Soldier already. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And by the way, also that shield was destroyed in an Avengers story recently. So, <laughs> right. Um, 
It was cool. I don't know. It really screamed a filler, but it's it was okay. Yeah, it does scream filler. Jack Sparling, for somebody I've never mm-hmm. heard of, he has done a lot of comics. Um, he wasn't bad. Yeah, his, his yeah, I liked his art most of it. There's some body work. I think some torso work is uh-huh. a little weird. Um, he's been drawing comics since 1950, mostly for DC. And he continues to be mostly a DC guy for 15 more years before he does a good half dozen Marvel works right at the end of his career. On this show, we will see his name once more on a soon issue of the X-Men, and that's it. You have no – there's no positivity. Come on. We can make it. On, on the X-Men? Oh, there's nothing past that? He never does work again? Not until like the 1980s. We can make it. We can make it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Okay, okay. Yeah. I couldn't decide what you're saying. Yes, when we get to the 1980s, we will see Jack Sparling again, and in some later issues of Ghost Rider, we'll come full circle. Well, Jack Sparling is no Jack Kirby when it comes to Captain America Tales of Suspense, but it was okay. Yeah. Uh, the story's kind of whatever, but it had some elements that were interesting. Um, the planner really wants that shield. So that's my least favorite part about the plot is like, that seems like a weak motivation. And everyone else is just going with it. He wants that shield and we're going to wear zebra stripes with purple helmets. Do we ever see the planner again? Oh, that's a great question. I'll have to look that up. <laughs> Did you notice they call themselves the sinister sextet? So they're trying to be all Spider-Man villainy. Do they really? Even though it's just basically him who has a name and everybody else is just like a Batman villain, like a henchman. Okay, A, we never see the planner again. B, this is the second character in Marvel history to be named. No, I'm sorry. First in publication order, second Mm. in chronological order. There is a planner who shows up in a late issue of Sergeant Fury and in an issue of Avengers 1959. So chronologically, he happens earlier. But um, yeah, there's a whole other planner. I don't know what series that is. I think my favorite bits are all the real world, like people wondering about Cap. That's that was kind of cool. I did like that. Uh, I we have asked on this show, I think even what exactly is the status of Steve Rogers' identity? You know, because mm-hmm. it's always like kind of non important. Even in the Golden Age, it seemed kind of non important. And then, like you'd think, if he's been dead for twenty years and they thought he was dead, dead, that they would have published books about Captain America really being Steve Rogers. You know. Because uh, somebody knew, the government knew. Yeah, is uh, this our first time to see Steve Rogers interact with the world at large? That's what I'm wondering too. Because he's like, he's been Steve as in the Avengers when he was like applying for Shield jobs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like he comes into this, and the police guys are like, "Steve Rogers? Who's Steve Rogers? What does that have to do with Captain America?" Yeah, I can't come in because I don't want to get arrested. So I'm sending a friend. Never mind that he is very broad-shouldered and heavily muscled. He definitely isn't me. I only have friends who have chins like mine. Right. Carved out of stone. Um, Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, And I think, obviously, S.H.I.E.L.D. knows he's Steve Rogers, and probably presidential people know he's Steve Rogers. Avengers know he's Steve Rogers. But this police guy doesn't. So, here's like a secret identity moment, which I wasn't sure if that was good or bad. But it it was interesting. Well, we know that later his secret identity becomes a much bigger deal. So establishing yeah. now that the average Joe does not know who he is is probably good. Mm-hmm. So I guess they kept that top secret 
even after he died. He, Maybe because they didn't want like his any relatives to be harassed or something. I don't know. Is it the same thing about Lois, Martha, and Jonathan not saying anything about Clark Kent being Superman after Superman dies? That could be. Because in that case, they could still be in danger. Because mm-hmm. if someone found out. Even after Superman's dead, like if his mortal enemy finds out who his dad is, wouldn't he want to like just be a jerk and kill his dad? And we can't really compare it to the MCU because the MCU doesn't do secret identities. They really don't. But they also have this whole museum about Steve Rogers and stuff. Right. It was never a secret that Captain America was Steve Rogers. He wears a mask for the look, not to cover his face. Um, I do kind of w- – actually, I was going to say something else. Um, I like that <gasps> both of these stories emphasize the public reaction to the hero. Uh-huh. You want to know another reason they wouldn't reveal that he's Steve Rogers? Why? Because they tricked the public with two other Captain Americas. Oh, shoot. You're right. So it's like, we're not going to reveal that we were jerky and tricking you guys. Steve Rogers died in the 40s. Oh, that's a good, very, I had never thought about that in connection with that. Me neither. That's a really good reason why they would keep that covered up. Yeah. So Steve Rogers as Captain America was kept a secret. Mm Mm-hmm. There were not only the two other Captain Americas in the 1940s, there was also the revival of Captain America in the 1950s. So three other Captains America. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was he was non-government, though. Wasn't he just on his own? I don't remember. Well, I don't remember either. I don't know. I think he's just like a guy who figured it out. Well, he, but maybe he was government. Because he got, he got souped up somehow. He got plastic surgery from someone. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I like the I like the public reactions to this. They did the you know public reactions to Iron Man and Tony Stark going crazy. Public reactions mm-hmm. to this with the Captain America turning bad. It's a nice element of the story. It was just cool to see Steve Rogers so much because you're right. Like we just never really see him as Steve Rogers very often mm-hmm. currently. And yeah, and even in his own book. As we go forward in the Kirby stuff, that is going to become a bit more of a thing. But honestly, I feel like Kirby handles it a bit ham-fistedly. And this is almost, this is probably more subtle than anything we're going to get for a long time with the Steve Rogers identity. I think in the 60s, the only Steve Rogers you get is when Captain America is wearing his Captain America outfit with his mask off. (laughs) Could be, could be. Like he doesn't hang out like Parker at the coffee shop. Right. Always at S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters or Avengers headquarters or on some mission. I really don't think it's till like the 80s until like they start trying to make him more of a. Secret identity superhero guy. Yeah, well, they, 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 do, they do explore it somewhat in the 60s and 70s. But like I said, I don't think they do it very, like, on very much of a personal yeah. identifiable level. I just, I wish they'd acknowledge the S.H.I.E.L.D.'s destruction of this. Uh, I feel like that's just been swept under the rug. Uh, we're never going to talk about it again. And I don't know if the planner think- wanted a gadget-powered S.H.I.E.L.D. Or if he wanted the Stark gadgets that were in the S.H.I.E.L.D. It was hard to tell. He, yeah, he doesn't talk about it much. And I don't remember where he said anything. It's more than a mere fancy shield. It's a storehouse of complex transistorized gadgets. I don't know right. what he wants. Does he want the gadgets so or the is, shield? Does he, does he want to reverse engineer Stark tech to take over other tech? Or I don't know either. But this is not the first time it's been revealed he took that junk out, right? Like, he's talked about that before. Yeah, I think in the, um, wasn't it in the the jailbreak issue? Yes, I think you're right. I think it was the jailbreak, that bonkers jailbreak that, story. Yeah, our least favorite pre-World <laughs> War II Kirby Cap story. <laughs> that was like the only, the only good thing about that story was they finally talk about how he doesn't have that stuff in the shield anymore. Right. Um, I did write down a little blurb about his Avengers oath never to harm anyone. 
Uh huh. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm pretty sure we've heard about this before. I think this is the second or third time they've mentioned it. But I was mm-hmm. reminded of Superman's oath never to hurt anyone, or, or rather, never to kill anyone. And I was thinking about how here at the end of 1966, that didn't really exist yet. Like, mm. like the legion of superheroes had a, a no killing oath, and so Superboy as a Superboy as a part of the legion probably took that oath. And so maybe once in a very rare blue moon, it might be mentioned that Superman doesn't kill anyone, but Mm -hmm. he certainly did a lot, killed a lot of Mm -hmm. alien threats during the sixties. And the idea of, you know, Superman has an oath never to kill that, you know, gets brought up in stories as a reason why, Oh, if only, you know, I could stop this, but I can't kill. That's a late seventies invention that doesn't exist at this point. So anyways, I was just kind of, Think about that. I feel like this Avengers thing. Well, first of all, it's the planner who says it. Has the Avengers ever said that? I mean, I feel like we've heard it before, but I could be wrong. Okay. I mean, tell that to Iron Man's origin where he blows up the bad guy, you know? Like, right. I don't know. I don't feel like the Avengers or Marvel in general cares that much. <laughs> well, I mean, not that they don't care, but they don't seem to adhere to the never hurt anybody thing. Well, my, my, my memory is that someone says you have your Avengers oath never to kill anyone and Black Widow's like, yeah, but I'm not an Avenger. Mm. That might be a future story, though. Maybe that hasn't happened yet. But you know, okay, so let's, you know Iron Man's killed someone. We read it. We guarantee Cap has killed people in the Golden Age. Mm-hmm. Thor has obviously killed things. Because he's a god, that's what he does. I mean, so maybe Giant Man and Wasp have never killed anybody that I can think of. And I wouldn't Hulk want them to. They're scientists who sit in their people. labs. They want their hand, blood on their hands. Yeah, Hulk has never killed anybody, ironically. <laughs> Hulk has definitely killed people. <laughs> has he? I mean, I feel like he has. Maybe we haven't actually documented it, but I'm going to start watching for it now. Maybe accidentally as a byproduct of his catastrophes, but yeah, I don't know if he's actually just reached out and snapped a neck or anything that I can think of. No, but. no, you're right. He has not done that. He has not done that. Um, but But someday he probably will. I don't see him as a guy who's never killed. So I don't know. Yeah, I just don't see the Avengers. I mean, they're letting and Haw- yeah, Hawkeye probably hasn't killed anybody yet. Don't know. Strikes me as a weird oath. It does. It does. Maybe they just mean when they're Avengers, because when they're Avengers, they have to have a better example or something like that. I don't know. I like that interpretation because that's that you know gives their team an elevation. Like you know when they when they invite Wolverine on the team, Logan, no killing while you're wearing our patch or whatever and that is actually i have seen that kind of storytelling in more modern stories like if you're wearing the uh silver stealth x-force costume then you do what you got to do if you're fighting with the Mm x-men you know especially if you're on our cartoon you don't kill people (laughs) unless they're robots unless there's going to be so many robots yep slice and dice those robots so, all right. next time on an all-new episode of Make Ours Marvel, we have Tales to Astonish, 89, Then There Shall Come a Stranger. It's Stranger versus Hulk and um, Namor versus the Iron Giant. Daredevil 25. <laughs> Wait till you meet Matt Murdock's swinging twin brother. What? <laughs> <laughs> You've never read this. Uh-uh. Okay. <laughs> and also the leapfrog. 
Mike Murdoch oh, no. is a whole that thing. That same frog guy? No. Oh, maybe. Have we had the leapfrog before? We had, when they had it, when he was fighting all those animals, we had a frog. Is it the same guy or is that a different I, frog? I think it's a different frog. Oh, it's the same one. Is it the same one? It looks the same to me. Maybe he's fighting on his own now. I don't know. Um, Fantastic Four 60, The Peril and the Power with um, Dr. Doom continuing to beat up the Fantastic Four. And we will wrap up next episode with the X-Men 29, the super adaptoid versus the mimic. Ooh. So you can't, it's just bad enough that it's Matt Murdock's brother, but they called him his swinging brother. Oh, yes. Twin brother. Oh, yes. I was like, what's that about? That's oh, freaking yes. That is so <laughs> 60s. <laughs> Someone got uh, the writers a, a how to how all the kids speak language book or something or Urban Dictionary. It's it's something because um, all of a sudden Mary Jane is just all about swinging and dad and like Iron Man called somebody dad this issue and tales of suspense like they figured out the slang man. I miss that Iron Man called him dad. That's funny. I did look up this is Leapfrog's first appearance, so he is not the same Frogman from before. Oh, okay, good. Didn't Daredevil put the guy on that, that Frogman suit? Up. He did. During the Furries incident? Yes. And I think Leapfrog is like a Spider-Man guy at some point, isn't he? I'm pretty sure I've seen him fight Spider-Man, yeah. Uh, Marvel Team Up 121 and Marvel Team Up 131. And Spectacular Spider-Man 185. So yeah, he's fought Spider-Man. Okay. Uh, so where can they find us? If they want to talk about They can Mike find Murdoch. us at the swinging website, makeoursmarvel.com. It's not a swinging website in the way that people... Think about swinging nowadays, but whatever 60s swinging meant, that's what we are. Um, there you can find links to uh, uh, our RSS feed or popular uh, podcast apps. You can find links to our Twitter and Facebook page. Of course, you can find posts for every episode, which you can just play right there on the website if you like. You can also write us through the contact form or directly podcast at makeoursmarvel.com. I can be found on Twitter at John Reed's Comics. My uh, good friend here, Michael Kaiser, can be found on Twitter at Kaiser the Great. Um, I have two, three, three other podcasts that I do. One is about Image Comics, All the Pouches. Um, that one is a little bit of a slow burn right now because I have a lot going on. I'm focusing on some other projects, but it is not gone. Uh, I am focusing a lot on my Transformers podcast, which is at TFUK podcast. It's called Return to Cybertron. And if you like Japanese superheroes, Power Rangers, Super Sentai, uh, you'll also want to search out Return to Cybertron because there you will find me and my son talking about G-Ranger on a show called Dino Squad Goals. So go check those out um, and be back next time for swinging fun with a stranger. <laughs> and until then, or until Ulick the rock troll goes to work for an American big oil company, make ours marvel. marvel.